Welcome to another special Transmissions Alt Mode. I'm your host, Jeremy, and uh, with me is Charles. Hello, everyone. And uh, we are um, very happy to have this week Alex Bornstein, who is the composer on Transformers War for Cybertron Siege. Uh, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so uh, you're actually the composer on the entire trilogy, right? Not just Siege? Correct, yeah. Uh, awesome. Cool. And um, you have previously worked on shows like Agent Carter, The Boys, Lost in Space, uh, the new Twilight Zone series, and um, the, a documentary about Apollo 8, First to the Moon. So um, lots of, of credits there. And you said you were the, you're actually the, the full composer on First to the Moon. Yeah, correct. Cool. Uh, so were you a fan of Transformers uh, before getting onto the series? I was, yeah. So it was very cool to kind of be brought into the project, you know, when it all came together. My uh, first memories of Transformers was watching G1 uh, when the Sci-Fi Channel started broadcasting, like around 1992, 93. Um, they did an animation block every weekday morning, and that was kind of how I got sucked into the, the mythology of it all, and that was like my go-to show for a long time. Um, so then, and I like kind of would, you know, I'd watch other shows as they came out over the years. Uh, and then, you know, it was obviously everyone has their opinions about the films, but, you know, I, I thought, I thought the first 2007 movie was great just because it was like, I didn't know how much I missed hearing Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime, right? you know? And so like seeing him show up again, you know, in a hundred and something million dollar Hollywood film, like was a really cool experience for me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's these little signposts throughout my life where the transformers has kind of popped in and out. Well, I think I remember when that sci-fi um, G1 block happened. I remember in high school in homeroom before school started, we'd have our TVs in the classroom tuned to that. <laughs> so we, oh, nice. so like I was in like ninth, <laughs> tenth grade watching transformers in homeroom. <laughs> well, um, so what goes into kind of creating a score for a series just in general? Cause it, it seems like as much, it, it's kind of as important as the script itself in my eyes, like just to set the tone and um, particularly this series, I, I felt like it was very futuristic alien sounding. I was just kind of wondering what, what kind of goes into crafting that? It's a lot of, um, you know, discussions and, you know, in this case, they're discussions I had with, with FJ, um, very early on, you know, it's, uh, I, I was brought onto the project. The first meeting I had was in February of 2019, which was basically like the first time that, you know, I met with FJ and I met with Matt Murray, the supervising producer, and we talked and it was like, yeah, like, I think this is going to be a great fit for all of us. And so then, I kind of went away for a while and just kind of thought about random ideas and like themes and things like that. And FJ had sent me some, you know, Oh, uh, you know, I really like this score. I like that score. And, you know, uh, the benefit of having that window of time, which you don't usually get is, you know, all these ideas just kind of got to simmer in my brain for a while. And I got to try a bunch of different things out. And so it's, it's kind of a mix of trial and error. And then also sort of listening to like just your initial instincts of, oh, I could try this or I could try that. Or, you know, we wanted to do a lot of synthesizers and, you know, um, how do you, you know, how do you balance not being completely electronic? Because it's not, you know, 
the score isn't like an Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor score where it's purely electronic, right. you know, um, even though he's done some orchestral stuff, there is, you know, on our, in our score, there is a lot of orchestra and, you know, solo instruments in addition to the synthesizers. So it's just like a lot of, it's a lot of discussions and kind of bouncing ideas off both in discussion and then also writing music and then kind of letting, you know, the people you're working with react to it. And then like, you kind of just keep doing that until, you know, you're out of time. Right. Well, um, when we talked with F.J. DeSanto, he he told us that his musical background helped him kind of talk to you in like the same language or like, you know, being aware of the the, con- the musical concepts. Um, how was that collaboration from your side? It was really great. Um, you know, it's rare. I shouldn't say it's rare, but, you know, I have worked with people before who do have musical backgrounds and it, it can sometimes get in the way you know, cause it's, it's like, you know, two chefs talking about right. recipes. It's just, it's too, but what, what was great is that I think <clears throat> it allowed FJ and I to have a very easy creative shorthand and he knew exactly how to pull from that background and cut to the chase basically. Right. And so it worked out really well for us to basically try things, you know, and I got to go, you know, I tried so many cool things and it allowed us to very quickly figure out the tone of the show and what we wanted to do uh, creatively, you know, and it was, you know, him having that background plus his, you know, just the depth of knowledge that he has of Transformers, mm-hmm. you know, it, re- it really helped us sort of, you know, get to the, the heart of what we wanted the score to be. Well, so I guess in a lot of cases, you're, you're more, you're also having to kind of explain the, the, the whys of some of the musical choices Whereas FJ, like hearing it, he would kind of understand why you put that that particular piece there. Yeah, and it would be easy when, you know, when he would have feedback, you know, he could say, oh, I hear this, you know, this high violin line, just can you take that down an octave? You know, which is like, which, which is great because sometimes, you know, you can run into people who maybe get too abstract about what they want you to do. Right. You know, it's and they try to use music terminology to codify what they're talking about. And you're just, you know, you're like, no, that's... Now, now I'm getting confused, you know, it's right. just like this whole cycle. Um, but he was really great by just being like, oh, no, like, bring that down an octave. Or, you know, I think I hear, you know, can you add, take that melody line to put it in a French horn? And, like, it was really a nice uh, synergy of each of us kind of knowing enough about what the other was doing to really clearly communicate. That's awesome. So with, with the instruments, um, were they all, like, electronic? like, you know, a synthesized horn, or did you have actual, like, uh, actual instruments in some places? Uh, in some places, yes. You know, the um, you know these days, most composers, you know, kind of operate from a basis of, you know, uh, sample instruments, right. you know, for, that's how, it, you know, how I do most of my orchestral writing is with, you know, um, different sample libraries of orchestral instruments, and then I supplement it with percussion or synthesizer, and so I would write basically the whole episode using those samples, using, you know, my analog synths and my plugins and stuff. And then uh, we would record a small group of people um, here in town, uh, you know, just some friends of mine, you know, and we would record some, uh, like some cello, we would record some violin. And then, uh, you know, that would kind of supplement the sound of the show. And what we tried to do was rather than layer on only a single layer or two of you know, a cello, for instance, to try and like mask the fact that the orchestra wasn't completely live. We, I let the, the soloists kind of lean into 
the, uh, the, the idiomatic side of their instruments so that the solo instruments actually stand out apart from the orchestra. And I, I hopefully the, the net effect is that you get something that's a little bit more personable and identifiable rather than, you know, oh, it just kind of sounds like, uh, you know, trailer music, which isn't, it doesn't, trailer music by design is not meant to fit the project that right. it's for. So at least this way now with those solo instruments, hopefully there's a little bit more of an identity for the music. Yeah, I, I, I knew I heard some cello in there. I, I played for like nine years, like through high school. Oh, cool. And yeah, it's like, I, I always try to pick it out. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I worked with a great cellist on this project uh, named uh, Ro Rowan. And Ro is great at just adding such a, such a, a, a layer of depth to the to the music especially uh you know in some of the stuff that goes on in episode five and six so um what were some of the influence or influences when you were developing the score like what what other kind of um composers or, or move, movies or other scores like kind of were you guys referencing and trying to be like i want like a little bit of this a little bit of that FJ and I kind of talked about, you know, at the beginning, I think in terms of direct sonic influences, it's probably, you know, Tron Legacy, Oblivion, Blade Runner, those kind of, those kinds of scores. I think, you know, in terms of dramatic context, you know, uh, FJ and I tend to talk in Star Wars ease, right. you know, we're, we're basically, you know, uh, we kind of do a lot of narrative framing by using we in Star Trek as well, but kind of using those as influences and in how to shape some of the dramatics. But I think, you know, really it's more of like, uh, Tron legacy oblivion scores like that. Uh, and then, but, you know, making sure that we, you know, I always look at guys like Jerry Goldsmith and Basil Poldoris in terms of having some very clear thematic chunks as well. Like there's a very clear, Autobot theme, there's a very clear Decepticon theme, you know, and they kind of are at odds with each other through the whole, you know, uh, trilogy. So uh, I guess let's kind of talk about those themes. And Mm -hmm. um, I I read in some other interviews you've given, you have like a few character themes as well, but, and even FJ told us this, the main characters are just kind of Autobots, Decepticons, and Cybertron itself. So kind of um, like, what can you talk about? those themes and like you know how they kind of represent their particular you know faction or group for sure yeah it's the goal for me was you know obviously we started kind of you know in the void there was no music there were no themes and you know i'm always asking myself these questions you know what do you do where do you take it you know and so i was looking at obviously scores that i really admire that kind of have a lot of thematic content like you know star wars lord of the rings and star trek and you know, all these scores. And what I didn't want to have happen is create a theme for literally every character because the show, especially Siege, it just, it's it's fast and it's very intensely paced and I didn't want things to get lost in the shuffle. So the goal was to do, you know, Autobot theme, Decepticon theme, Cybertron theme, and then rearrange and develop those accordingly based on what's going on, you know, in the show and, and change them as needed to reflect certain characters, you know, like the episode three opens up with this very specific development of the theme for uh, ratchet, you know, when he find, you know, when he <clears throat> finds impactor right. and there's a specific way that you present the theme in that context, there's a, a specific way, 
you present the you know Autobot theme when Optimus Prime is being heroic and doing you know like when he saves uh, Wheeljack and Bumblebee in the pilot, or I guess episode one, it's not a pilot, but right. um, you know, and so that you know I follow kind of more of what Jerry Goldsmith did with his Star Trek scores, where he had you know the main Star Trek theme that everybody knows, but every film had a specific new theme that he would then use in various presentations to kind of develop the story, especially in like first contact, uh, insurrection and, and nemesis. Um, <clears throat> so that was kind of the goal there, but what I wanted, I wanted to make sure that both of those scenes were connected. So there's a, an A section of the Autobot theme and a B section. Um, the B section is actually the Decepticon theme just with different chords so there's still this musical, this narrative thread that connects the two themes, because ultimately, at the end of the day, they are all Cybertronians. They just have completely opposite philosophies on what's best for the planet. Um, you know, and so the idea then is you can then take those themes and then play them kind of against each other. And musically, they can almost sort of fight like this uh, when... Uh, it's exciting. I can actually list like specific examples yeah. now of when this happens. Uh, when Jetfire saves i think it's prowl when he gets sucked in the the, the yeah in the vortex um you actually what i did is in the low strings the chelian bass play the decepticon theme while the french horns are playing the autobot theme in counterpoint and so basically what happens is then and then as soon as jetfire grabs prowl the theme completely flips back over to the Autobot theme because that's essentially now he's now proven that he is an, he's truly defecting. He's not right. playing games with them because it's at the end of three, you really don't know. Um, and so like that, and it's so it's fun to do that rather than have a Jetfire theme that's all of his own, even though Jetfire is completely badass in that right. yeah. first season. But um, that wouldn't tell a story like yeah, exactly. And that's and it's um, and hopefully whether it's consciously or subconsciously, the viewer is kind of being carried along on that musical sort of roadmap. And it's something I'm hoping that, you know, uh, whenever the soundtrack comes out, that a lot of this will get, will be easier to hear as well, because it's, you know, um, the sound design is so, you know, it's so awesome, but I think it's the music maybe can sometimes get lost in the shovel. Yeah. I think I was talking with a friend kind of about that and he, he seemed to not, not noticed as much of the soundtrack when he was watching it. And I think because of our discussion with FJ, I was specifically looking for the soundtrack and yeah, particularly in my second viewing, you know, I was trying to to pick out things a little bit more carefully. Yeah. Well, when the, uh, as soon as the series premieres, you know, I have some stuff that I'll do on like social media and my website where I'll do like actual uh, music theory breakdowns of the themes. So you can actually, you can actually see melodically like what's going on. And then hopefully, you know, again, whenever the soundtrack is out, you can kind of, it'll be easier to uh, connect those dots. And the, the, um, the Autobot theme is actually the end titles. So we, uh, when everything was kind of getting approved, we decided to basically use uh, about a minute and a half of the original Autobot theme that I turned in uh, last summer as the end titles for for Siege. But then every every subsequent season will have a new title cue and a new end title cue. Well, those um, like I, I imagine Earthrise is going to have some of the some of the theme same themes from Siege, but then kind of its own it's have its own identity as well. 
Yeah, so I, it's you know I I probably can't say anything about Earthrise, yeah. but I but but a hundred percent, yeah, in a, like a vague. In a, yeah, every every season will carry the same identities over of what you know because it's not going to be a different score every season. Right. But you know we do we just kind of turn the knob just a little bit so that there's you know I think a distinct identity for for each chapter and and uh, and there are some new themes in uh in earthrise for some from different things well i mean i would imagine you're gonna have you know stuff isn't settled on cybertron so no no i think i have a lot of new stuff you know for for those characters yeah no and it's and it it does help too you know like it's uh especially like um like alita is a great example of a character who i did write a theme for alita um because you know by the end of siege again spoiler she's now kind of the de facto leader of the autobots on cybertron and so you know it's i think you know and and also too um her theme is basically what sends the what sends the autobots off of cybertron you know because she has the and it's it's one of the 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 moments I'm, i'm really happy with how it turned out dramatically was that basically you hear the alita theme maybe you know half a dozen times through the course of siege and then when she sort of says goodbye to prime and turns and the and the arc starts taking off basically you get this completely like full-blooded version of the theme just like full bore big strings and everything um because it really is an arrival point for you know their their dynamic and so like it's you know you do sometimes need to come up with a specific theme for those kinds of the characters that get those sort of those character arcs you want to make sure there's something for them awesome yeah sometimes i wish that we could have the option of watching just like watching the series with just the music well i think i might i don't think i would get into any trouble um but when i do those like social media things basically i want to have it so you'll see a picture of the sheet music so you can see what the theme is and then you swipe to the next picture and it'll just be a scene from the show with just the the music I think I've seen like Star Wars and people have done that with Star Wars and kind of, you know, put the score on top of, you know, so you're just watching the stuff with the music. I don't yeah, know. It just yeah. it, from kind of a, a music nerd perspective, it's kind of interesting to see just kind of how the mo- emotions can carry over with no vocals. Yeah, definitely. Um, when, good. Uh, when you're, when you're um when you were developing the all the themes was there any i know probably uh the old the classic uh you know g1 soundtracks are caught in licensing hell or, yeah. or you know, ip hell but was there was there any thought or or hint to try and sneak in some of those old uh a ref or references to those old themes into the into the new score uh no comment on the first half of the question um <laughs> and so uh, but I think going into this, when I sort of when we saw how the animation was turning out and we saw what the story was doing, I think we consciously decided to just sort of start fresh rather than you know kind of emulate like the Robert Walsh, Johnny Douglas stuff or the Vince DiCola scores. Um, you know, I think the tone of those is so it's there's a it's almost it. I think it would be a different show if we went after that that style. You know, because like the the G one scores um, are very much that '80s style of scoring. You know, it's kind of like a, a small chamber orchestra with maybe like a rhythm section, like guitar and drum kit and stuff. And it's uh, 
I think I wouldn't rule anything out for the future chapters, but I think for Siege, it's such a gritty and grim story. I think we kind of just consciously, maybe without even realizing it, now that I think back, just didn't kind of step in in the direction of those scores. But we de- it was a, it was definitely a discussion in the in the early days. Yeah, I mean, well, if you look okay. at some of the older series, you know, Beast Wars had its own, you know, musical identity. Beast Machines, coming back to Cybertron, was, you know, I guess more similar to what you guys did with the, the electronics and synths and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of the series haven't gone back to that G1 well too much. Yeah, I mean, most, I, I'd say most scoring in general, you know, I am... Um, we don't, you know, the the people that I know and other composers, we don't typically get asked to kind of do that style of scoring anymore, um, you know. But it's all a big pendulum. It wouldn't surprise me if it if it swings back someday. Um, were you involved in uh, in the actual like sound effects at all, designing those? No, no, that that wasn't that wasn't my department. So we did get the G one transforming sound. I think that that's a good. Kind of- <laughs> That uh, I they had that in, so I would I would write the music to the uh, previs, you know, which is basically the episode just with a much less detailed render of the animations because they spend time doing all the textures. Yeah. Um, and uh, even in those temp sound mixes, you know, before anything was in besides the voice acting, they had that sound in there. Yeah. So they were <laughs> nice. they were very conscious of it. Um, so Charles, did you have a were you gonna say something? Yeah, I just had another question um, about what how the process is for wh- when you're writing the score. Like, uh, do you come up? You came up with the like the the bigger themes kind of independently from any individual episodes, and then you go go through the episode and figure out how you match the music to the episode. I'm I'm not very musically inclined, so I'm curious uh, how that process works. Yeah, no, it was um, you know basically I was shown some decks from Hasbro you know, some like some, you know, some presentations, you know, this is what Siege is and this is what Cybertron's going to look like. And this is what, you know, this is what's, and I was shown, I did read the scripts for the whole trilogy. Um, you know, so I, I was able to kind of get this very big landscape of, of this, of the, of the show, not of the, the music. And, you know, from there, it was kind of up to me just to kind of come up with the stuff based on the discussions I was having, uh, with FJ and that was probably the most intimidating part of the project, you know, cause I'm sitting there, you know, all right, so we can't do G1 stuff. I can't do Vince Cola stuff. Like what the hell am I going to do for Optimus Prime? Like, you know, <laughs> like, like who the hell am I to write a theme for this guy? Um, and so it just took a lot of trial and error. I would sit at a piano and kind of like play stuff. And I was really, I was, I was probably, hopefully I was hard enough on myself and people will agree when they hear it. But, you know, it's basically like, can I hum this theme? Like, if I put this theme on French horns with big strings, like, is this something that's going to stick to the character? And I, uh, when I officially was brought on the project, you know, um, I was given, let's see, given this guy (laughs) and this guy. And so when I started, I put both of them on each of my speakers and the box art behind them. And basically was just like, all right, like, what, like, what are we going to do? And I'm not saying they helped, but eventually like it did kind of start to flow. Like there was a, um, where is it? Oh yeah. Like this, uh, picture of, uh, star screen on the Earthrise box, like for whatever reason, like that just really helped me find this aggressive, nasty sound for the, the Decepticons. 
you know, that just, it's, uh, when you hear it, the, the full theme track, the first 20 seconds of the Decepticon track is just this kind of like rising electric, you know, just terrifying sound. And to me, it just really was able to encapsulate that picture of Starscream just with his, you know, his fist up there and just like, you know, so angry. And, uh, and then the same thing with, with, with Prime and the Autobots, just kind of looking at that and just kind of letting, you know, just kind of trying to follow some creative instincts and seeing, you know, does it, does it feel authentic to that picture of Prime and to the, you know, to what I, what I think the Autobots are about. So it's a, it's a weird mix of like trial and error. And then like this sort of blackout that happens where I'm just like, Oh, I I guess I did it. I guess I figured it out, you know, and just, (laughs) and it's just, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a weird it's sometimes it's a very weird process like that where you can't really, the more you explain it, sometimes it almost gets, you almost have a harder time trying to get your hands wrapped around it. Right. What was there any type any point where you, you and I guess FJ and Matt and whoever was working on it kind of came across something and was just like, that's it. Just, you know, like kind of a eureka moment about a particular piece. Yeah, there is uh I came up with this sound. I have a, a, a mini Moog synth and there's this like arpeggiated bass thing that I came up with for the Autobots that as soon as I did a V one of the Autobot theme and, you know, FJ heard it and he's like, he's like, I like it. I like it. It's, it's good. It's, you know, it's close. I just, and he gave me some pointers. And when I did the version two, I found this theme or this, this sound on, on the synth. And then I recreated it in a, a software plugin so I could recall it, you know, more easily on other cues. And as soon as he heard that, he was just like, that, like that, this is approved with, you know, gold star, put it in the show. Um, and you can hear it, that sounds in the, uh, in the end titles. Nice. And so I try to use it whenever the Autobots are kind of like, you know, one like the few moments where they're in control during Siege um that's i try to to use it as much as possible and the same with the decepticons there's a uh you know sort of these rising uh shepherd tones that are just like very unsettling that that really clicked with us early on cool um and you you said that you think that this will be released as a soundtrack i hope so i know f fj matt and myself we're all kind of you know doing what we can to to make sure that there will be something cool yeah, that, that I think I don't know as, as just kind of someone that likes score, scores like you know Tron Legacy is just something I I go back to all the time. And I think mm-hmm. this would be like right alongside it as uh, you know music that if I just need to sit down and concentrate, have like no vocals or anything, you know something like this would just you know make make its place in that playlist I have. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I fingers crossed, and I think honestly too. You know, um, these days, like, you know, pinging Netflix and pinging Hasbro and E1 and Rooster Teeth and all these places, like, you know, asking for, you know, if, if they hear that fans want it, I think that really, that speaks volumes these days. So hopefully, you know, we'll we'll see how it how it all shakes out. Cool. Yeah, it probably doesn't hurt that Hasbro now owns a record company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> um. So I think that's everything I had. Charles, do you have anything else you want to ask? Uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else, but I I am really looking forward to getting to watch the show again and really listening for the score. Because, yeah, I mean, 
the first time you're just kind of blown away by the action. And now I, I really want to rewatch it and really listen uh, for all those themes you put in there. Oh, that, yeah. You know, it's one of those things. Um, it's if no one notices the score, it's actually like the most flattering thing for a composer sometimes. Um, but it's it is I do kind of, you know, I, I do want to make sure that I don't want people to think that I didn't forget to write <laughs> for the show. But it's, you know, it's difficult because it's, you know, a show like uh, this is like the sound design is so important. And, you know, Jamie Hart, the re-recording mixer and the whole sound design team did such an amazing job. You know, it's like it's it's not like I'm trying to steal the spotlight from anyone and say, you know, um, it's it's cool when like it all just kind of clicks the way that it does. So if people yeah. are watching it and the music's not distracting them and they walk away from the show digging the whole thing, then, you know, it's. I feel like it's, you know, it's mission accomplished, but I, I agree. Like, I hope that, you know, the soundtrack will come out and people can sort of, you know, bond with these themes and think that they, you know, are authentic to the characters. Yeah. I mean, we'll say, say what you will about the live action movies. Steve Jablonski knocked it out of the park and everyone. So, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. You know, it's everyone, like I said, everyone has their opinions, but I mean, um, you know, that the arrival to earth queue is, is just good stuff and it works great in the movie. Yeah, I, I have that CD. I I played it in my car all the time. Back when I mean, my car had a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the CD's worth a little money now. I heard. Oh, really? Yeah, it's because uh, because they didn't they didn't produce a lot of it. Like I remember, I had to kind of like hunt for it when it first came out. Uh, it was like right, you know. To, I guess it was right when people were sort of like. Transitioning. transitioning i i didn't i still buy cds you know i it's i i'm the weird guy that still likes to collect music like that um but it's uh, i remember i was on amazon a little while ago and i saw someone was selling selling a copy of it for more certainly more than than we probably paid for it <laughs> oh nice okay <laughs> well i'm not gonna sell it but it's nice to know that <laughs> that something i bought might when go go up in value a little bit yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's, it's, it caught me off off guard for sure I have a big box of CDs. My wife has been trying to get me to do something with, and I'm sure it's in there. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I guess we can wrap up with our our rapid fire questions that we like to, you know, run each guest through the first time they're on our show. Cool. um, Autobot or Decepticon? Uh, Autobot. Who is your favorite Autobot? Uh, Wheeljack. He was great in the show. I, yeah, it was, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> live action movies, uh, one, two, three, four, five, or Bumblebee? Uh, one. Um, and this is the, the comics. I don't know if you're familiar with the Transformers comics. Um, I guess I should ask you, are, are you familiar with them before I ask this? So have a point the, the, the comics are the one thing I, I can say I probably did not have time to really dive deep into, but I may I may know the answer. I don't okay. want to. Let's just, we'll see if I embarrass myself. It's a preference of series. <laughs> there was a series called More Than Meets the Eye, a series called Robots in the Skies, To All Are One, or there's a new rebooted Transformers. Uh, I, I know of these series. I think is uh, More Than Meets the Eye, was that the first Marvel series? Well, no, th- these were all starting in 2012. But if you want to say the first Marvel series from the 80s, that's. I did. I, I, I did. I, that's that. If I was going to start anywhere, I would just start with those. Okay. Um, and third party toys, yes or no? These are like unofficial, non. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, I've 
fallen down the rabbit hole on some message boards about this, just sort of like learning about it. Um, hmm. I guess not. Um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay. Uh, coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Chicken or steak? Steak. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Burger King or McDonald's? <sighs> or any other burger friend? <laughs> uh, I guess McDonald's. Uh, history or science? Hmm. History. Uh, Xbox, PlayStation, or Switch? <laughs> Switch. Okay. Uh, PC nice. or Mac? <laughs> uh, oh, man. I'm like, this is like a daily struggle for me. I would say I was Mac, but I think I'm going PC now. Cool. iPhone or Android? Um, iPhone. And what iPhone app can you not live without? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm picking up my phone. I'm just seeing what's up front. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna be super lame and say either uh, Gmail or the uh, the weather app because my wife asks me every morning what's the what's the weather gonna be for the day. <laughs> Mine too, and I'm like, you have a phone. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. A Marvel or DC? DC. Okay. Awesome. So who's your favorite DC character? Um. I guess Batman. Okay. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Oh boy. Uh, Schwarzenegger. And Pixar or DreamWorks? Uh, Pixar. Do you have a guilty pleasure movie that you always watch whenever like you run across it on TV or just you, know, you just can't you stop and Yeah, it's probably Star Trek 6. Okay. So, uh, this is the Important question: Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh man! <laughs> uh, it seems like you're you're fairly you're a fan of both. Yeah, I'm like pulled both ways. If I but if it, you know what, if it came down to it, you know what, I'll I'll die on this hill. Uh, Star Trek. Okay. Simpsons, Family Guy, or Rick and Morty? Uh, Simpsons. Uh, Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? They both have such bad seasons in them. Um, <laughs> I guess Game of Thrones. Okay. And this one's not really as applicable right now, but NFL, MLB, NHL, UFC, or NBA? Oh, um, yeah, that is tough. I'm not even really a big sports guy. I guess I usually do end up getting pulled into the NFL one way or another. Okay. Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, or Volkswagen Beetle? I mean, I gotta say, Beetle. I'm working on a Transformer show. <laughs> right. I mean, all of those are cars that were in Transformers. Yeah, but I feel like it's yeah. like the Beetle. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. All right, and finally, blonde, brunette, or redhead? Uh, it's red. Okay, cool. Well, thanks. That was our rapid fire. Nice. So, um, we'll have links to some of your social media but do you have anywhere like you want to point people to if they want to like um i guess see see those um theory things that you post after the show's out yes yeah, so uh you can find me bornstein music on twitter instagram alexanderbornstein.com is my website 
Um, the, the breakdowns of the themes will be coming out on my website, and then I'll also do uh, similar versions of them at the same time on uh, Instagram. Okay. And I'll, if you go to my Twitter, I'll cross post them so you can get to my Instagram through there. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. Nice to meet you guys. All right, and um, you know, thanks everyone for watching this, and hope you also watched our FJ, FJ DeSanto um, interview and our non-spoiler review of Siege, and then last week we did episodes one through three spoiler reviews, and this week we'll have four through six. So we're Siege crazy right now. So <laughs> you know, watch all of our our stuff, and um, see you next time. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Transmissions. But just because this episode is over doesn't mean the Transformers fun has to stop. Join us and other Transformers fans on our Discord chat server by visiting transmissionspodcast.com slash discord. If you would like to learn more about how you could support the Transmissions podcast, just visit transmissionspodcast.com slash support. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you again next week.